0: Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Welcome back, everyone. Excited to be here for this conversation with you today, and I'm gonna be exploring a question that is so common, not only for someone who may be experiencing anxiety in their relationship. But I think it's just a common question that many people ask when they are making decisions about a relationship. And that question is, do I stay or do I go? This question was inspired by something that I recently heard in a podcast. And it was something that Esther Perel said in an interview with Jay Shetty. Uh, I haven't finished the episode yet, but from the first 30, 40 minutes that I heard, it was a wonderful episode. And one of the first questions that Jay asked Esther right off the bat is, how do you know if a relationship is worth saving? And her answer really blew me away. Now, she has been a therapist for 40 years and counting, I think. She has seen so much, has worked with so many couples and individuals, and I really admire the way that she articulates things about relationship. I really admire the values that she seems to approach relationships with. And so in response to that question, is a relationship worth saving? How do you know? Here's what she said. Shall I stay or shall I go is one of the fundamental questions. And here's the thing. Even if you decide to stay, or even if you decide to go, you may do so while at the same time having a part of you that actually holds the other side. If you think that the decision is 100% perfect with no doubt or no hesitation, then it's a setup. If you leave, you need to be able to leave while experiencing the loss of some things that may have been good, even if it's just a dream of what was. If you stay, you have to be able to grieve the part of you that will never know what it would be like if you have actually left. So the answer is not in the extreme determination. It's in the ability to hold the inherent contradictions. It's a complex question and complex questions don't have easy binary answers. Oof, so good. There's a lot of wisdom in here and even though there's a lot of wisdom in here, I can also empathize and understand with how there can be a lot of discomfort and uncertainty drummed up in this quote. And even as I read it, or even as I think about it, it doesn't have this black or white answer and the brain is looking for black and white answers. So that feels really uncomfortable, like what's the right choice here? And yet despite the potential discomfort this might bring up as you're listening to this i still think it's really important to share this idea elaborate more on it and talk through it because the questions of is a relationship worth saving or do i stay do i go they are not so binary as esther shares they're not always so simple they're not always this clear-cut yes or no black or white and Even though our mind may want the simplest answer and want that certainty to avoid uncertainty because uncertainty feels potentially uncomfortable and dangerous, there is a gray area here. So let's explore that. Now, I've talked a little bit about this before on the podcast, but our brain is wired for survival. It's constantly scanning the world around it to make sure that it's safe and that it can survive. So it's making judgments in an instant on what is safe what isn't and how can it create certainty and predictability evolutionary biology shows that the human brain prefers to know an outcome one way or another because if it doesn't know what's around the corner then it can't protect you or keep you out of harm's way so There's this classic example that's given a lot when people are talking about this, which is if a hunter-gatherer were out roaming in the fields and it heard a noise like from behind, it's much more likely to assume that it's in danger or that there's something coming and it needs to protect itself, maybe like a threatening animal, versus, oh, maybe there's someone else from the tribe or the village coming to say hello, right? if it assumed the positive outcome or assumed something that wasn't threatening, then it would not be, that mind rather would not be on alert trying to protect. And so that's why there's a lot of hard wiring and patterns and programming that have evolved to keep us safe and on alert. And different people do have different personality types. You know, there's some people that are a little bit more hyper aware sensitive or worried but those used to serve such a strong purpose which was making sure the tribe around you and you as an individual were safe but now in today's world there are a lot of times when we're still constantly scanning for danger and there's not as much direct threat or danger it's more internal or emotional threat or danger in modern times and so it's just helpful to understand this and to understand what our brain is doing when it's constantly scanning for threat, but to realize that it's not always necessary today. So that said, because we're constantly scanning to try and find certainty and reduce uncertainty or threats, one might interpret any anxiety in their relationship from this perspective, from this lens. So the protective. Part of ourself, the the part that wants to stay safe and certain might assume automatically, if I'm anxious, it must be because this is not the right relationship or not person for me. And in many ways, this feels like a more simple response, a more simple explanation, because it provides us with certainty. I'm putting that in kind of air quotes certainty about our experience that we're having if we can just kind of write it off as oh well this must mean it's not the right relationship then we can kind of move on and be done with it and go find that right relationship but what is more uncertain and complex and takes a little bit more time is to understand how our unique lived experiences contribute to how we show up in relationships how past emotional wounding or fears contributes to the ways we show up in our relationships today. How what we saw modeled for us growing up contributes to the ways that we show up in our relationships. How past relationships that we've had with other people contribute to the ways that we show up in relationships today. So that takes some time to really understand and bring to the surface. And it's less simple to do that, but I believe it's equally worth exploring these things. Now, in some cases, the answer truly might be that anxiety is happening because a relationship isn't a fit or a person is not a fit. I don't want to skip over that possibility or make it out to be wrong Because there's so much personal context that I'm missing for every single person's unique life story, personality, and relationship. And I could never possibly know all there is to know about your inner world or the inner workings of your relationship. So for me to say that every single person listening to the podcast or reading my blogs or on my social media page is experiencing relationship anxiety or relationship OCD because of their own inner stuff, that would not be an accurate statement. And yet, what's also true is that many people are experiencing relationship anxiety or relationship OCD that has nothing to do with the partner in front of them. You would switch out the partner and still have the same core fears, the same past emotional wounds coming up, the same perfectionistic beliefs around love and relationships that affect how fulfilled you are in your relationships. And I know that to be true because I've had many clients come to me saying, I've had this same pattern over and over again, and I'm finally ready to address it. So I want to explore these questions of how do you know if a relationship is worth saving or should I stay or should I go And really kind of unpack why they may not be so simple, but yet at the same time, try to give you some food for thought that can at least just give you a chance to not necessarily get a 100% clarity, but just to check in with yourself to better understand how you think about things and to explore the questions openly. So to address these questions, I have a few different angles to consider that I'm going to go through one by one. And just as you are listening to this. Try to give yourself permission not to be 100% certain at the end of this podcast. The goal is not necessarily to be 100% certain, to get 100% clarity. And there's this great quote from the poet Rilke, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, that I want to share before diving into this topic. I came across this quote in a book that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorites called The Wisdom of Anxiety by Cheryl Paul. And I think it tees off this conversation really nicely. And the quote is essentially a reminder that it's okay to not always know, to not always have the answers. So Wilka said, Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign language. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. So if you need to go back and listen to that again, see what comes up for you and I will be sharing it again later in the episode as a reminder after I share the ways to reflect on these questions. So when it comes to do I stay or do I go, the first point I want to bring up is this notion of permission and are you looking for permission to stay or permission to go? I believe a lot of insight can come from answering that question. Am I looking for permission to stay or am I looking for permission to go? And maybe not even answering the question fully, but just posing the question and seeing what arises. Now there's no right or wrong answer to this question and there may not be immediate clarity or an immediate answer, that's all okay. It's okay if asking the question brings up more questions or makes you feel uncomfortable or maybe it does bring clarity, whatever it is you may find that getting curious about the question and not rushing to an answer can be helpful. Here's what I mean by permission to stay versus permission to go. So let's say that you came across my Instagram page or you came across this podcast after feeling some confusion in your relationship. And maybe you saw a reel of mine saying something like having doubts in a relationship doesn't automatically mean you have to leave. And maybe you felt really, really connected to that message. Like, something drew you into the message. You were really curious about it. You wanted to understand it. Maybe you felt a sense of relief, but not necessarily a sense of relief. Like, oh, you know, suddenly everything is perfect, but more just like, huh, this feels like a more helpful explanation that I've come across before, whatever it is. And maybe you had been beating yourself up for having doubts in your relationship. You had told yourself things like, I'm such a bad partner, or my partner doesn't deserve this, I really should leave this relationship. In this case, perhaps you were craving permission to stay in your relationship, even without certainty of what would happen in the future, even without guaranteeing that it's the right decision or the right choice and even without a constant excitement about the relationship or about the future because there's still a little bit of questions or doubts. Even without all of those things, perhaps you had been looking for permission to stay because you had never come across that permission before and you didn't feel comfortable giving it to yourself. You could have been craving someone to tell you that it's possible to navigate through anxiety and still decide to be with the person even without those guarantees. So that could have been you craving permission to stay. Or alternately, you could have been craving permission to leave, permission to go. Permission to leave something that is good or even great and someone good or even great in the hopes of finding more. Now, of course, finding more is never guaranteed. We don't know what the next thing would be, but permission to leave in search of something more, someone to tell you that it's okay to do that and that you're not a bad person for doing that. And so that would be an example of you perhaps craving permission to go and looking for somebody to give you that permission. That is the permission that I personally saw a lot of before coming across anyone talking about relationship anxiety or relationship OCD. I felt like that was the permission I kept coming across, like just, you know, you can leave and find something better. And for me, that never fully sat right with me. And who's to say exactly why that is? But it didn't ever quite fully sit right with me. Whereas when I came across somebody that did give me permission to navigate the mess and the uncertainty in my relationship, that did really feel like a permission slip. So that is the first question. Do you feel like you're looking for permission to stay? Or do you feel like you're looking for permission to go? And maybe even can you give yourself that permission without looking for it from somebody else? A reminder that there is no right answer to the question. There's only decisions that are made and then different outcomes that happen. Which then brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was... This notion of accepting whatever consequences come from our decision. So, when we are asking the question of, is a relationship worth saving? Do I stay or do I go? We have to realize that there are many different potential outcomes to this decision. Before making a decision, we can check in with ourselves and ask, am I willing to accept whatever consequences come from my decision? Or am I also willing to accept whatever lessons come from this decision as well? When it comes to the decision of staying or going in a relationship or from a relationship, there are so many potential outcomes. Now, I'm just going to read through some that popped up top of mind for me, but I really think that there are so many other combinations of feelings and experiences possible. I'll try to read through these and um, some of them that I brainstormed and, and see which ones, you know, feel like they resonate or don't resonate to you. Maybe you've already thought about these things before. But some different outcomes, some different consequences that can come from a relationship decision would be you decide to stay in a relationship and you end up reducing the anxiety you experience in a relationship and you're able to feel really grateful for the relationship and your partner and move forward. And for the most part in your life, you feel really grateful and connected. And of course, there may still be some challenges that come up, but You choose to stay, you reduce anxiety, and you feel really grateful for your relationship and partner. There's another potential outcome of staying in a relationship. You take the time to grieve that you may never know what life would actually look like if you had been with somebody else. And then this makes more space for gratitude and appreciation in the relationship. So, this second one is similar to the first, but It involves a lot of like grieving what you'll never know and kind of grieving that unlived version of you. You could stay in a relationship. You could always wonder if it was the right decision and what life might have been if you made a different decision. And you could end up feeling so comfortable in the unknown that this just keeps you feeling one foot in and one foot out in the relationship you could stay in the relationship and later find out that things are not working and maybe you realize that no matter what you and your partner have tried there's not really a willingness or an ability to support each other in the way that you need and this could lead you to learn from the situation learn from you know what happened and carry the lessons with you moving forward. So you may realize this isn't working and I can't be in this relationship anymore after originally deciding that you wanted to, and then take that with you and and learn and and see how can I take this lesson moving forward. You could also stay in a relationship, find out things are not working later and that you need to leave the relationship for some reason because maybe your partner or you are unwilling to support one another. And then this could lead, instead of you looking for the lessons in this, and instead of you learning from it, this could lead to you feeling frustrated that you made the wrong decisions and just being kind of frustrated with yourself and like, I can't believe this. So notice how all of those different combinations could come after choosing to stay in a relationship. And there's probably hundreds more other outcomes, but those are all different consequences. Some are like more helpful some are less helpful that come from choosing to stay in a relationship now there's the alternate side which is choosing to end a relationship and you could end a relationship and initially feel really sad that the relationship ends and then even after the initial time of feeling sad there could be this part of you that's wondering like did i make the right decision or not and maybe you eventually move on to find a new relationship and realize all right, I'm really grateful that I left this first relationship to start a new one. Or on the flip side of that, you could end a relationship, feel sad that the relationship ended, you always wonder if it was the right decision, and then you eventually move on and find a new partner, but you end up experiencing the same anxiety once things get more serious and you realize, ooh, okay, this seems like a me pattern that I want to work on because I keep seeing the same pattern coming up. You could end a relationship and there could be a sense of relief that you no longer feel anxious. You move on and find a new relationship and you feel grateful about moving on. You never look back at the old decision. Or you could end a relationship, feel relief that you ended the relationship. But when you move on and find a new one, again, you experience that same anxiety and realize this is a new pattern to work on. So there are so many combinations. You could also just end a relationship and be single. Or you can stay in a relationship for a long time and then at some point decide I, it's not working for me and I want to be single, whatever it is. There are so many freaking combinations and consequences of these decisions. And sometimes I think we just think it's going to be such a simple thing. Like, I'm just going to leave this relationship and then my dream partner would just fall into my lap. That's kind of what the Instagram algorithm likes to say. I think there's a lot of reels that are floating around these days of like, oh yeah, I left something good, but then I ended up finding someone great and we lived happily ever after. It's still kind of that happily ever after story, right? But There's also so many people that I know behind the scenes or friends of friends or whoever it is that they're also still actively trying to find someone. And there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, things are really hard and it's really hard to find a great relationship. So I say none of this to like scare you. It's just important to be aware that sometimes we get stuck in the grass is going to always be greener mentality. But there are many different consequences that can come from our decisions, and we have to be fully willing to accept the responsibility that whatever decision we make, we are the only one that is living in that decision. And we are the ones that are responsible for taking the lessons from that decision and trying to use the lessons to grow in whatever way we can. All these different outcomes are possible and there's many different ways to view the different outcomes. You can view the outcome as either like, oh, that was a success or that was a failure, which I don't personally think is very helpful. You can view a relationship succeeding as good or a relationship ending as a failure and that's bad. I've tried to change the way that I view that because I don't automatically think that a relationship lasting is a success or a relationship ending is a failure. There's many different reasons why you choose to stay or go a more helpful i think way to view these different outcomes is what can i learn from them how can i grow from them and just to again take the lessons along the way and to keep living your life until answers become more clear as the real key quote shared however you slice all of this i still want to give the reminder that there are not perfect decisions different decisions results in different consequences and when we're willing to take this ownership of being like, all right, I'm going to make a decision and I don't know what the outcome's going to be, then we're going to feel so much more empowered. We're going to feel so much more in control than when we assume life is just happening to us and we have no control over the matter. So that is the second kind of thing I wanted to explore in this conversation, this notion of consequences and there being different types of consequences or outcomes that can come from this question of do I stay or do I go? The final thing I wanted to explore, which can help us understand what may be driving our decisions is different parts of ourself and honoring these different parts within us. So Esther said in this quote that I kind of kicked off the podcast with that there can be parts of us that hold the other side. So, a part of us that can hold the other side of, like, oh, wow, yeah, if I do choose to stay, then I might have to grieve the part of me that would never know what it would have been like if I chose to go. Or the part of us that chooses to go and realizes, hmm, I would have never gotten to see what it would have been like to stay and try to figure it out and to experience the good parts of this relationship, too. So, instead of shaming that there are different parts of us within us that might hold different sides, I think what can be more helpful is to honor these different parts. And I want to share some examples of different parts of ourselves or yourself that may be competing. So there could be a part of you that misses being single and misses living alone. But there's also a part of you that craves deep connection, love, and support that an intimate relationship could bring. There could be a part of you that wants to travel the world spontaneously and pick up and go at any moment and also a part of you that wants to have a home base and to feel settled and cozy. There could be a part of you that envisioned you would end up with someone more like your type, and also a part of you that loves your partner and what they bring to the table, even though you could have never dreamed of that type of partner. There could be a part of yourself that feels scared to go, and a part of yourself that feels scared to stay. There could be a part of yourself that feels a sense of relief at going. And a part of yourself that feels a sense of relief at staying. So notice how these different parts of ourselves, in some ways, they feel like they're competing or how could both of those coexist? But I actually think that a lot more of us than we realize have these competing parts to us. And it's not about trying to eliminate all of the parts of us, but more so seeing them and trying to understand where they're coming from this notion of having different parts and the parts serving different purposes for us stems from internal family systems therapy. Now I understand internal family systems at the very basic level. It's something that I do plan to explore more in the future and something that I think is a very important thing to at least have a basic awareness of at a very simple level. You can kind of think of these different parts of your mind or yourself, as the different Pixar characters in the movie Inside Out, which I absolutely love. I think they're coming out with a second version of that movie or like a part two, and I'm really excited about that. But I've found this personally to be kind of a helpful analogy for seeing the different parts of ourselves and just in case you haven't seen the movie very quick background context so there's this main character Riley and she has different emotions within herself and for the sake of this conversation you can think of these different emotions as different parts of herself that are guiding her through her life they literally are like in the console of her mind and you know pushing all these different gadgets to to have her doing different things and so the parts or the characters in the movie of these emotions for Riley are joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. Now, of course, this is just a movie, so it's very simple and there's many more potential parts or many more potential emotions that we could be experiencing. But for the sake of the movie and for the sake of this conversation, trying to keep it as simple as possible, each of these emotions or parts have different motivations for Riley, the main character. Some of them want her to be protected and safe, and some of them want her to enjoy and have fun and be carefree. And this is the same for us and how we live our life, or at least this is the principle of internal family systems and how they believe that humans are wired. We have different parts of us that have different goals, and what's super interesting is neuroscientists estimate that only 5% of our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors, and our beliefs are driven by our conscious mind and that the subconscious drives about 95% of our thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and behaviors. And our subconscious is the part of us that's wired for survival and making sure we're safe and in our comfort zone, like I was mentioning earlier. So What this could mean is that even if we have parts of us that consciously want to be content and peaceful and calm in our healthy, loving relationship, there could be a part in our subconscious mind that worries that love never lasts. Maybe we saw growing up that love didn't last in our parents' relationship or relationships around us, or we've had past experiences that show that love doesn't last. And then we deem love as not safe. And so, this protective part of ourself puts up walls to, you know, block out any potential hurt or pain that could come from a relationship ending. So, even if this conscious part of ourself really wants to be in this loving, healthy relationship without so much fear, the protective part of ourself could be really trying to stay safe and comfortable. Put in another way, another example of this could be our conscious mind wanting to leave a relationship where we're not being treated well, but our subconscious mind may want to stay because there's a deep-rooted fear of being alone or being unworthy in relationships. So those are two opposite examples of how different parts of us could be having different goals or motivations. And it's helpful to acknowledge that different parts of ourselves could be craving different things. And that's okay. It's not shaming and making certain parts or certain motivations wrong or bad, but more so to get curious about the motivations that are driving these parts. So if you're looking for a little bit more of like the basics on internal family systems or how this could play out. I did a great podcast episode now almost a year ago with Alex, who is a counselor in internal family systems. He has the Instagram account for Love We Heal. It's episode 18 called Making Space for Our Anxious Parts. And this goes into a little bit more depth about how our parts can show up for us. But if you just want to kind of get a little bit of a basic set of questions to reflect on here, I'm going to leave you with some Great questions that I found in this article summarizing IFS, which is written by Jeremy Sutton, who's a PhD. I will put this in the show notes and these are the questions that he asks. In order to better understand a part of us, we can check in what is this part's role and how does it help you manage your life? What is this part's relationship with other people? What positive intent does it have for you? how does it try to protect you? What is it trying to protect you from? And is it happy with its job? So these questions, again, are not necessarily to give you certainty. These questions can just be to explore, get some clarity, see what comes up for you, see what you might be able to learn about yourself. And even defining the different parts of yourself, this can just be like a fun exercise. Please don't try to take this and and feel like you have to figure it all out. But I'll just walk you through one example of one of my more anxious or protective parts, which I'm just going to name the achiever. So you can kind of check in with yourself, like what parts of myself do I see? And like, if I had to name them or personify them a little bit, What would they look like? Maybe you have an achiever part of yourself. Maybe you have a bubbly, outgoing part of yourself. Maybe you have a flow, chill part of yourself that you call flow, whatever it is. I'm just going to walk through an example with my part, the achiever, with these six questions and kind of give you an example of how you can just, again, start exploring and getting curious. So for me, my achiever's role is to make sure I get things done, that I'm making progress and growing and that I'm moving towards my goals and visions. Even if those goals and visions may have been a little bit perfectionistic or based on what I think other people need to do. My achiever's relationship with others is to please them and make sure I'm seen as doing well and make sure that I am meeting the needs of other people. My achiever's positive intent for me is to be successful and happy, but my achiever tries to protect me by keeping me busy and not slowing down and making me be go, go, go. And it tries to protect me by having everything all buttoned up. So even though its positive intent is for me to be successful and happy, the definition of what is successful and happy may be a little bit hazy or fuzzy because it tries to get me to be successful and happy by protecting me from failure, protecting me from being unfulfilled or unhappy and i think that the version of me that is trying to avoid unfulfillment or avoid unhappiness is in some ways also striving for perfection striving for happiness all the time striving to keep me busy keeping me on the go have everything all figured out all sorted all buttoned up all happy all the time which ends up being a lot of pressure maybe you can relate to this and To answer the question, is the achiever happy with its job? I would say that the achiever is happy with its job temporarily, and at times it definitely is. But I would say that my achiever, and I think many other people's achiever, ends up kind of always then going for the next thing. And I think that can be one of the challenges of being an achiever, is that it's really hard to soak in what's going well, and you are kind of rushing on to the next thing. So that was just one example. There are many more parts within me. There are many more parts within you, and you can just begin exploring them by asking these questions, seeing what comes up, and remembering that there are no wrong answers and no right answers, but it's just a chance to get curious. So to quickly recap where we just have gone in this conversation, when it comes to the question of is a relationship worth saving or do I stay or do I go, it can be helpful to reflect on these three things. One, if you're looking for permission to stay or permission to go, and are you willing to give yourself that permission or practice giving yourself that permission? Two, if you're willing to accept the various different consequences that can come from making a decision and knowing that you don't necessarily get to see the consequence of the decision until you make it, And then three, exploring the different parts within you and their different motivations for different types of decisions. Why might this part of me be craving this where another part of me might be craving this and kind of exploring the motivations behind them? Is it coming from a place of wanting protection? Is it coming from a place of wanting more fulfillment? What is it? So those three things are what we explored in this episode. A final reminder that none of this has to be rushed. And I want to leave you again with the Rilke quote, because I think it's so important to really let this soak in, especially after getting to the end of this episode, which is be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. So thank you so much for listening. Cheers to living the questions day by day and gradually perhaps living into the answer and not rushing that. So thank you so much. I hope that this episode gave you at least a little bit to reflect on gave you a little bit of food for thought and to honor if there is some discomfort that came up from this episode and remembering that discomfort can come from uncertainty but that uncertainty is a part of life it's not wrong and it's okay to acknowledge that uncertainty does make you uncomfortable sometimes so if that's the case just give yourself some compassion try to remind yourself that uncertainty is part of life and that you don't have to get certainty now in order to be safe, that you are safe right now in this moment. Thank you so much and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the You Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message and it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media and the more ratings and reviews that are there the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.